Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2 and uh, meet me at verse 1. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm inspired this morning with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this passage is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And uh, I cannot wait to show you some things the Lord revealed to me this week. Let's take a look at verse one. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is in the house. house. Immediately, immediately, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sons are forgiven you, or to say, arise, somebody shout, arise. Take up your bed and walk. But you, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise. Somebody shout, arise. Arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Now, this passage of scripture, like I mentioned before, is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I love this miracle. Uh, there's so much involved in here, but let's just dive right into it. I'm on assignment today. Jesus returns home to Capernaum. Now, Jesus lives in Capernaum. His ministry is in Capernaum. His house is in Capernaum. And I know many of you think, what? Jesus had a house? Jesus was not homeless. Jesus had a house. I don't know where this ridiculous theology has come that Jesus was homeless. He had a house. And some theologians believe that this house that we're talking about today is Jesus's house. And scripture tells us that Jesus came home. Some translations said he came to his house. But when he returned home, we're talking about the Lord's house now. When he returned home, people shouted, You know, Jesus is in the house. Jesus is at home. And then it says immediately people started going to his house. Uh, It's just like today, huh? You woke up today and Sunday was here and you started getting dressed and you say the Lord is in the house. And you said, I've got to get to the house of the Lord. I posted a video on social media where in Angolio, in Angolio, Angola, thank you. Angola, th- this is my 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 uh, my helper here. Angola, uh, in Angola, they hadn't met in churches 
for two years and they opened up the doors. And when they opened up the doors, thousands of people ran in celebrating. They were excited to be in the Lord's house. There's something special about being in the Lord's house. And so they they come together and they say, we got to get to Jesus's house. Nobody invited them. They just showed up. Jesus is home. They ran to his house. They got to the point that more people started coming that it began to pack out his house. It was standing room only in the Lord's house. And Jesus did not do no magic tricks. Jesus didn't do any backflips. Jesus didn't do any deity tricks. Jesus just simply preached the word to them. Don't ever get tired of hearing the word being preached. Don't ever get so comfortable and so used to hearing the word preached that it it somehow goes over your head or you somehow are so familiar with it that the word no longer has power to take effect in your life. Don't ever get tired of hearing the word preached. I hear people saying sometimes we don't need another uh, preaching. We don't need another sermon. Be careful. Because it is the preaching of the word that changes men's hearts. It is the preaching of the word that alters destinations. It's the preaching of the word that causes lives to be changed. It's the preaching of the word that causes the direction to be changed. This pulpit is the center stone of this ministry. It's the preaching of the word that the command comes from and we are changed by the preaching of the word. Don't ever get so comfortable where you say, I don't need another sermon or I don't need another preached word. Yes, you do. It's the preaching of the word. And so Jesus knew the most powerful thing was to preach the word to them. The, The number one thing I can do for you is not be your friend. It's to preach the word to you. It's not to come over and, and, and we stay up all night and eat some Oreos and, and chocolate chip cookies. That's not the best thing I could do for you. The best thing I could do for you is stand in this pulpit and preach the word to you. And so Jesus preached the word to them. And somehow, some way, four men, four friends, they say, Jesus is home. Jesus is in the house. We've got to get our paralyzed friend to the house of the Lord. We got to get him. We got to get him there. And so these four people, they gather around and they carry their paralyzed friend to Jesus and to the house of the Lord. But when they get there, the front door is full of people, standing room only. They cannot even get in. I like these four friends because uh, these four friends knew the importance of getting their friend to the house of the Lord of taking their friend to Jesus. How important is it to you to get your friends to the house of the Lord? It's so important that you bring them to the house of the Lord, bring them to Jesus. And so you need at least four people that care about you. Did you hear me? You need at least four people that love you, care about you, and that are willing to bring you, take you, and pray for you, carry you, because you can't be strong all the time. I said, you can't be strong all the time. You need four friends that you're able to call and say, I'm not strong, and they carry you. You need to be able to call them and say, can you pray for me because I'm feeling weak and tired, and they can pray for you. You need four friends to be able to say, listen, I got some things going on in my life, and I need a friend to help me in this, and they help you. Come on, somebody get excited about friends in your life. 
We are not called to do this thing alone. We're not called to do this thing by ourselves. We are not called to be isolated away from people. We are called to people, and you need to be honest, and you need to let them know, I need to be carried right now, and they should be bold enough to say, I will carry you until you're strong enough to carry yourself. And don't always feel like you have to be strong all the time. There are times where you are not strong. Lean, recline, and depend on your friends. That's why it's important to have friends. And these four friends, they came to Jesus and they brought their paralyzed friend. And this paralyzed friend, let's talk about that. He's a paralytic. Paralyzed means you can't move. Uh, most importantly, Mystique, you can't go forward. You're stuck. You need help. You need support. You're in pain. This man may have been paralyzed by injury. Who knows? He may have been paralyzed by disease. I don't know. But he cannot move on his own. He can't move forward and he's experiencing a lot of pain. I'm describing people today. They might be able to walk around town, but they are stuck. They may be able to move their feet and jump in their car and go go to Walmart, but they are experiencing pain. They may be able to drive and, and ride an airplane, but they are hurting and they can't move forward. And these four friends they brought their friend to Jesus. But when they got there, they couldn't get in the door. Now, some people would have said, the parking lot's too full. I, I can't, it's too full. Like, I got to drive and I got to keep it moving. I don't want to get go in the house, Lord. It's just too full. Or, oh, there's too many people at the door. I can't, I can't come in, inside. There's just too many people. I've got to just go somewhere else. But it's interesting at restaurants, we wait an hour for food, won't we? We'll wait. Oh, give me that buzzer and I'll wait. But when it comes to the house of the Lord, when it comes to waiting on Jesus, we can't wait on Jesus. Jesus was taking too long. Oh, you should have done something immediately. Oh, I've been waiting a long time. I'll wait two hours for a cheesecake factory, but I can't wait on Jesus. What a shame that is. What a shame. And so they said, you know, what? we're not going to quit. We're not going to go home. We're not taking our friend home this way. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump on this roof. Oh, my goodness. They're going to jump on the roof. Now, we're talking about audacious faith right here. We're going to climb this roof, and we're going to get on this roof. And uh, as we get on this roof, I got a plan when we get on this roof. Now, four men are going, carrying another paralyzed grown man up the side of the house on top of the roof. And when they get on top of the roof, they said, let's open up this roof. And so they begin to open up the roof. Now, if I'm thinking in today's terminology, if I heard somebody open up the roof, I'm going to go get my weapon. You know what I'm saying? But, but it's a different day. And so they open up the roof. Okay, who with me? They're going to get, you know you with me there. You're going to get your weapon. I know. Some of them on the roof. Let me go outside. And so they open up the roof. But, and when they opened it up, there was a hole big enough to lay this paralyzed man down. And they picked such the perfect spot that they were able to lay him down at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is preaching. And they say, you know what? We can't get in the front door, but we're going to get in some way, somehow. And I believe they had ropes. 
And the ropes they used were, were lowering the man down in front of Jesus. And as he lowered him down, Jesus, I believe Jesus kept speaking until they did one thing. I believe they dropped the ropes. Amen. Why did they drop the ropes? They said, we're not, we not going to pull this man back up. Amen. We are going to say, Jesus, you're in town. We're in the house of the Lord. And we're expecting a miracle to take place. How many of you came today expecting a miracle to take place? And so they dropped the ropes. And as soon as they dropped the ropes, I believe Jesus looked and saw their faith. Scripture said he saw their faith, but he didn't say anything. He saw their faith and he looked at the paralyzed man and he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. This is a powerful statement to me. The man is paralyzed. He's laying on the mat. He's laying in front of Jesus. Jesus doesn't say anything to the friends, but he speaks to the paralyzed man who can't move, who's in pain, who's stuck, who's crippled. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I don't know why this man was in this predicament, but Jesus, who is grace, extended undeserved grace, undeserved kindness toward him. This man could have been a rapist. This man could have been a daughter. This man could have been a homosexual. This man could have been a terrorist. This man could have deserved to be in the predicament and condition that he was in. Could have deserved it. We don't know. But Jesus extends grace towards him. You can't earn this. You don't deserve what I'm about to give you. You can't work hard enough for it. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And so the haters around, you know, Pookie Ray Ray, they're around. And they're saying, what in the world is going on? This man can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. What is going on? This is blasphemy. This is crazy. What is happening? And so Jesus perceives their thoughts. Don't you know he perceives your thoughts today? He perceived their thoughts and he said to them, he says, well, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. And so they are dumbfounded by this question. Jesus got them thinking. They're contemplating, meditating what he means by that. Now, everybody knew that that man came to be healed. And Jesus is talking about sins. Now he's talking to the haters and he's saying, and then which is easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, I'll answer that question for you. The easier statement is to say your sins are forgiven. It's easier to say that than to command someone to get up in that condition and predicament. Why? Because you can't see anything. Your sins are forgiven. You can't see anything. It's easier to say that. But... If you say arise, take up your bed and walk, then you can see something. You can see a man in a condition and the man gets up out of the condition that he's in and he begins to take up his bed and he begins to walk. And so Jesus said, OK, just so you know that I have the power to forgive sins. He turns to the man and he says, arise, take up your bed and walk. And the man got up. Proof that Jesus can forgive sins. They saw something. 
So now they have to believe he can also forgive sins. Now, here's the interesting dynamic of this, though. When Jesus turns to them and says to the man, now this is the first time he speaks to the man, except he told the man, well, second time, I'm sorry, the second time he told the man, son, your sins are forgiven. And then the second time he says to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. What that communicates to me that the power that is possessed in you understanding how much you've been forgiven of is the same power that can heal you. It's the exact same power. When you recognize and understand how much you've been forgiven of, that understanding within itself has the power to heal your situation. And so what happens is most of the time is we are in a predicament because of our belief of how much sin has dominion over us. A lot of times we are where we are because we believe that it's our sins that got us where we are. And we don't fully believe that Jesus has forgiven us of all of our sin. I said past, present and future sin has all been forgiven. But when you hold on to something in the past, which this man, I don't know, he could have been holding on to something. Who knows? He could have been, he could have had some some serious guilt that he was holding on to like I did something wrong and I owe someone someone and I don't know how to release it. This man could have been dealing with anger. You did something wrong to me. And I don't know how to release it. So I am holding on to anger. My greatest fear is that you will hurt me again. And so I'm going to hold on to this anger. And if I hold on to the anger, that could be a possibility of why you are in the condition that you're in, holding on to past sin and not allowing the forgiveness of God to take place in your life. Understanding grabbing a hold of it, activating it by saying, I believe it, I receive it, I'm forgiven, my sins are forgiven. Matter of fact, James even tells us, if you look at the, the epistle of James, he, he tells us that um, if you would pray, well, let me say it this way, I'm paraphrasing, I'll say it this way. James actually tells us that in James chapter five, that our sins could be the reason why we're sick. But, when you understand that you've been forgiven, the power to heal will manifest. Okay, you, I want you to get this because Jesus could have said, be healed, but the, the issue wasn't simply physical. The issue was spiritual. So he said, your sins are forgiven. And when your sins are forgiven, the power to heal is present. And so he turns to the man. I love this. After he talks to the haters and proves to them that he has the power to, to forgive sin, he turns to the man and he says to the man, arise, take up your bed and walk. Now, why was Jesus able to boldly command this man to arise? Now, this wasn't a suggestion. This was a command. Why was he, why was he so confident, so bold to do that? Because he knew that he 
was about to rise. He knew that he was about to arise. He knew that he was about to be resurrected. And so he was bold enough to declare to someone in a situation that looked impossible, arise because he knows he is about to arise. Now, now this is so good. You got to follow me here on this. When, when he said arise, he was foretelling what was about to happen in his life. Arise, I'm going to rise. And we know that Jesus died. And on the third day, he rose. Come on, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is my third day. This is, this is third day. This is, my, this is my third day. When Jesus arose today, Resurrection Sunday, when he arose, he simply went, died, buried, and then defeated death, hell, and the grave, stripped the keys of the kingdom, rose up out of the grave, came and experienced and dominion and power and authority over all sickness, disease, demons, every evil thing. And then he gave us and delegated to you and I all of this authority and power. And he says, now you go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I am a recipient of this authority. I'm a recipient of this power. And so I declare to you, not a suggestion, but a command. I command you to arise. I command you to rise up out of death into life. I command you to rise from darkness to light. I command you to rise from doubt to faith. I command you to rise from despair to hope. I command you to rise from mourning to dancing. I command you to rise from hurt to whole. I command you to rise from poverty to prosperity. I command you to rise in the name of Jesus. If I'm talking to you, arise. If I'm talking to you, arise. If I'm talking to you, arise. Rise up out of your situation. Rise up out of your predicament. Rise up out of your circumstance. Rise up. Rise up. Today is your resurrection today. Today is your resurrection day. Today is your resurrection day. Arise in Jesus' name. Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Somebody say, he is risen. Say it again, he is risen. Now say, I am risen. Say, I am risen. One more time, I am risen. Say, this is my third day, and I am risen. See, listen, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Therefore, you are the resurrection and the life. Now, if I'm talking to you, continue standing. I want to look on the screen, Isaiah chapter 60. Watch this, Isaiah chapter 60. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Look at verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, now pause here. This is a prophetic declaration that the Lord wants to speak to you today. Arise. That means stand up, get up, wake up. Move from your condition. 
your current condition, arise, shine, that means sparkle, be a light, because your light has come. The time is now. The time is now, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. It says darkness will be on the face of the earth. How many of you know there's darkness on the face of the earth? Deep darkness. How many of you know there's some deep darkness? But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, I want you to hear me and hear me clearly. It is time for you to arise and shine. There are things that God has called you to do. It's time for you to create something. Are you listening to me? It's time for you to build something. It's time for you to write something. It's time for you to develop something. It's time for you to move forward. It's time for you to finish your race. It's time to put your hand to the plow and do something because the Lord is upon you. The time is now. Procrastination time is over. Waiting time is over. Waiting for someone else to do it, those days are over. God's light is on you. Uh, um, I was talking to, to my wife and there was some issue going on with one of our kids and we're like, you know, we, we got we to gotta do this and we got to correct this and, and we got to help them with this. And this came out of my mouth. I'm a master builder. You hear me? I, we, we, this is what we see. This is what we want. How do we get to what we see to what we want? You build it. So that's going to take time. It's going to take consistency. It's going to take effort. It's going to take patience. But too often, church, we're sitting around, I'm just waiting for a check to fall in the mail. I'm just waiting to find some money standing outside the door. I'm just waiting for, the, for Jeff Bezos to give me a call and, and give me a, a million dollars. I heard one Christian recently tell me he was waiting to win the lottery. I'm just waiting. And what's that guy that used to come knock on the door and hand money out? Who? Ed McMahon. Yeah, they said Ed McMahon. I'm waiting on Ed McMahon. Believers waiting on something. But the time of waiting is over. This man rose. Now notice, he rose. He took up his bed and he walked. I believe the Lord spoke to his spirit. Arise take up your bed I believe he spoke to his soul grab something put your hand to work and do something and then walk it out come on somebody say walk it out someone say it again walk it out one more time walk it out in John chapter 5 very similar story there's a man who's been sick for 38 years laying down amongst hundreds if not thousands of six people in John chapter 5 they're waiting on some troubled water to be moved so that they can be healed they're just waiting on something but Jesus shows up and he walks by hundreds if not thousands of people and comes straight up to this man he bypassed so many people to come to you and said do you want to be made well the, the man 
had all these excuses. Well, I've been here 38 years. I can't get to the water first. I, somebody goes before me. I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too sick. I'm the wrong color. I'm the wrong gender. I'm just, everything is wrong. And I just can't get it done. The question was, do you want to be made well? It should be a simple yes. But he had excuses. He had excuses. But thank God, Jesus didn't listen to any of those excuses. Matter of fact, we don't even see the man releasing his faith. Jesus turned to him and said, say the word, arise. Come on, somebody say arise. arise. He turned to the man and he said, arise, take up your bed and walk. The same statement. Spoke to his spirit. Get up, do something. I've, I've un... No, let me say it this way. I was going to say I unstuck you, but that's not a word. I've released you. I've released you to do what I've called you to do. Church, it's time to do something. I don't want to hear about your book. I want you to write your book. I don't want to hear about writing a song. I want you to write the song. I don't want to hear about you starting a business. I want you to start the business. I want to hear about you learning how to cook. I want you to cook something. I don't want you to hear about, I'm learning how to swim. I'm, I need to learn how to swim. I want you to go learn how to swim. I don't want to hear about, well, I need to go ahead and take this class. I want you to take that class. Well, I need to invent something. I want you to invent something. The light of God is on you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Say, this is my resurrection. Say it like you mean it. This is my resurrection. Say, this is my third day. One more time. This is my third day. We, we have the authority, church, and the time is now. The time is now to do what God's called you to do. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.